You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Well, as I mentioned, we have a 10-month-old daughter, and her name is Ray. And uh, part of our job in uh, having a daughter is teaching her the basic human skills. One of those would be walking. And before you walk, uh, you crawl. And that's the stage that we're at right now. And it's really fun. And sometimes it's really not fun. And what happens is we'll see her, and she'll kind of like stand and get the wobbly legs, holding on to something, and you good? Run to the other room, grab something, and before we know it, she's crawled into another room, and if you have a kid, you know exactly what happens next. That girl is going to find something on the floor, and she's going to put it in her, in her mouth. That's what she does, and the more deadly and the more dangerous, the better. That's exactly what she's... That thing could get stuck right in my windpipe. You're perfect. Come here. Like, this is what she does. She finds a little rock or a leaf um, or uh, I don't know why God has made children this way, but they just love electrical outlets and wires. It's just a part of it. And so I remember walking into the other room the other day. You're good. Walk back. I come back. Ray has a wire, a battery, and a rock in her hand, and all of them going straight for the mouth. What are you doing? Stop, child, no. And it'd be so frustrating, and you could imagine uh, as a dad how frustrating it would be then when we're teaching our kid how to eat. And it could be especially frustrating uh, for my wife, Mary, because she puts so much time, energy, and effort into making a meal that our daughter is going to love. Oh my gosh, it's gonna be amazing. And she gets there and she gets these bananas and raspberries. She mushes them up. This is gonna be perfect. She's gonna love this. Put it on front of her. She like gets it in her hand, puts it in her mouth. And then immediately like just gets on the like high chair. And she's like starts spraying it everywhere. Like you can see, I think we have a picture of her. Yeah, and you're like, look, you put so many things in your mouth. Why can't you put food in your mouth too? Like, it's not that hard. And it can be so frustrating because in the times where even when it's a food that she really likes, um, she'll be holding on to like these other little things, like these toys. And before she can take what we want to give her, she has to hand over these other things before she can receive what we want to give her. And... I think the same thing can be true of us. And I I honestly sometimes wonder if maybe God as a loving father might be like a little frustrated sometimes and and looking to us. And he sees us clinging to these little things that like can kill us and take us out. And he's like, I've got something for you. I have love for you. I have life and a purpose for you. I have myself for you that I want you to consume. And here we are playing with little things. And before we can receive what God wants to give, we might need to hand something over. And that's what I wanna talk about with us this morning. I wanna talk about what it can look like to have God in the very same room with us, with life on the table for us, and yet to miss him because we're running after little lesser loves that lead to wrong places. I don't know what that is for you, Maybe for some of you, it's a relationship and you know it's not doing anything good for you. Maybe some of you, uh, it's a job and it's consuming you 
Maybe some of you, it's something that you're running back to for satisfaction again and again. Maybe some of you, it's what you're looking at. Maybe others of you, it is money. I don't know what it is for you, but I wanna look to three different people who had Jesus in front of them and yet missed Jesus completely in their life. And to do that, we're going to turn to the Gospel of John And in the Gospel of John, we're going to look to a word in the Greek that is paradidomai. Paradidomai. It's one word, and it means to hand over or to give over. Didomai means to give or to hand, and then para means to or towards. And so it's to hand to or to give over to. And what's really interesting about the Gospel of John is that um, as he's writing this letter, he does something extremely interesting with this word. Um, This word is used all over the New Testament, but in the Gospel of John, he uses it 15 times, and he uses it exclusively for people who hand over Jesus. So he uses it of Judas, he uses it of the Jewish leaders, and he uses it of Pilate. Those are the three people who handed over Jesus. In a lot of our translation, that word paradidomai, It might've been translated as betray or to give up or something else like that. But when we look at it, we're gonna be talking about it as handed over. And so we're just going to follow this word through the gospel of John in order to understand how do we not miss Jesus? Because I don't know about you, but if God's in the room and if he's offering something to you and to me, I don't wanna miss him. And so let's look and see what he does. The first person that he uses this word for is Judas. It starts off in John 6, 71. It says this, he spoke of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, one of the 12, because he was going to paradidomai, hand him over. And here's what I know about Judas. Whenever we talk about Judas, it's likely that what comes to your mind is a traitor, someone who betrayed Jesus. But that's not how the disciples would have thought about Jesus. In in all honesty, that's not how Jesus a lot of times would have looked at Judas, even though he knew from the beginning that he would betray him. But when the disciples looked at Judas, they would have thought of Judas as trustworthy, not a traitor. And that's crazy because so often we don't think about him that way. Like in our day, we have a lot of beef with the Pharisees. We're like, don't be a Pharisee. But in, in this day, Judas wasn't a Pharisee. He was an apostle. Nobody says, don't be like the apostles. In fact, we name our kids after them. So here in this moment, Judas was an apostle. You don't hear about too many little Judases running around. That would be probably for good reason. But, but Judas was trustworthy, so trustworthy that the guys in the inner circle decided, Judas, why don't you watch over the money? I don't know about you, but if I'm giving my money to somebody, I want them to be trustworthy. Judas was trustworthy. Not just that, but Jesus all throughout the gospels says again and again and again in a lot of different ways. One of you is going to betray me. And I don't know about you, but if I'm in that group, I'm gonna be like, all right, y'all, there's 12 of us. We can figure this out. But not one time do we see, even at the last supper when Jesus is like, y'all, I'm dipping my bread. Nobody says it's Judas. Nobody. Because nobody thought of Judas as a traitor. And I think in our day, it might be a little bit easier for us to think about Judas as a traitor because if Judas is a traitor, then he's nothing like us. But if Judas is someone who started well following Jesus and then one day he thought, you know, I'm the only one keeping the money. Why don't I just take a little for myself? 
And then all of a sudden, someone pours out their oil. They're like, we could have used that for money, knowing that he could have taken some for himself. And then before he knew it, one thing led to another, and he's giving over Jesus for 30 pieces of silver because little loves of lesser things led him to be unfaithful to his savior and to hand him over. And when we start viewing Judas as someone who started following Jesus well, but then eventually handed him over, that's scary. Because then all of a sudden, Judas is a lot like us. And so I wanna see how did Judas miss Jesus. So let's keep following this word of how it's used of Judas in John 12, four through five, that story I just referenced, the beginning of his betrayal with that woman who poured her oil out on Jesus' feet, John 12, four through five. All this will be on the screen as well. We'll be jumping around. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to paradidomai, hand him over, said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Other translations tell us for sure that he wanted to take some for himself. Fast forward from there into the Last Supper, what Dave just talked about, what Louis talked about last week. John 13, 21 says this. When Jesus had said this, he was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly I tell you, one of you will paradidomai, hand me over. And then Matthew, we look to understand why did Judas hand over Jesus? We get this from Matthew 26. It was because of greed. Verse 14 through 16, then one of the 12, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, watch this, what will you give me if I hand him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to paradidomai, hand him over. And then it said that Judas, in betraying Jesus, went and kissed him on the cheek to identify him. And in John 18, two, it says this, Judas who betrayed him also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So I'm thinking about the life of Judas. And as I'm thinking about it, I can't stop thinking about this image of being at the Last Supper. And we don't know for sure all the details of how it all worked out, but we can kind of fill in the gaps just by reading the story. And I'm picturing in my mind, Jesus telling the group, one of you guys is going to betray me. I bet everything got quiet. I bet, I bet people just kind of started looking around. You know, like, but, but then probably started talking again because it was awkward. And, and then the text tells us that Peter then looks across at, at John and he's like, yo, you gotta ask him, like, you gotta ask Jesus who it is because Peter apparently, or John was apparently sitting right next to Jesus. And so J John, there's this image that the text kind of presents to us of John, like, listening to, Jesus, Jesus, who is it? Like, tell me. <laughs> like, you got that nosy friend? Like, Jesus, for real, who is it? But then Jesus, either loudly or quietly says, it's the one that I dip the bread and hand it to. And he takes the bread and hands it to Judas. And imagine being John. That's crazy. But, but what's even crazier to me is what was this bread? Just moments ago, he said, this is my body broken for you. And so you get this picture of Jesus handing what? Body broken to Judas. Judas. The one he knew would betray him. Everybody else thought he was trustworthy. Wouldn't have thought anything of this. It was normal in that day to find an extra tasty bite. Hey, bro, you gotta try this. Jesus was handing over body broken to Judas. It was his love. It was his mercy. And you get this picture not of Judas being broken over sin because he was amazed at the love that Jesus knew what he was going to do and then yet loved him anyways, but he was just unbothered by it. 
How did Judas miss Jesus? You can't get closer than this. Literally sitting next to Jesus. You gotta be able to hand the bread to him. Literally at the table with him. You have the bread broken, the body of Jesus in your mouth, but it missed his heart. It is possible to be in the room with Jesus. It is possible to sing songs about Jesus. It is possible to read words about Jesus. It is possible to have grown up from infancy and know about Jesus, and yet to completely, totally miss Jesus in your heart at the same time. You can be as close as Judas was and yet miss him. Why did Judas miss Jesus? Judas missed Jesus because he didn't embrace what God wanted to give him. You see, Judas gave up Jesus for earthly treasure because he didn't receive that Jesus treasured him. And that's why point number one is this. We will obey God with our lives to the degree that we believe he loves us in our hearts. We'll obey him with our lives to the degree that we believe he loves us in our hearts. I remember going on this trip a while back um, to, it was a mission trip in uh, high school and we went to this place and it was an orphanage and uh, one of the people that was a chaperone on the trip adopted this um, little kid and it was this little, or sorry, not adopted, sponsored this little kid and uh, it was this little kid's birthday and this kid growing up was so impoverished that he had never gotten any gifts. And so they came up together with this idea like we're gonna give him a lot of gifts and just blow him out of the water. And so this kid had grown up going to different birthday parties and seeing other people get gifts, but he had never known what it was like to get a gift for himself. And so uh, we put together this huge party with all these gifts laid out. It was gonna be a huge surprise. And this little about nine-year-old boy comes walking in. We all start singing. We're celebrating. We're going crazy. And he's just like bewildered. It's like, what are you doing? This is so weird. And because the boy had never received any gifts, he walked in. He said, these couldn't possibly be for me. But then about a minute in, it clicked. They're singing for me. These gifts are for me. And when it hit him that all of these gifts that were on the table were for him, it broke him. He started weeping, he started crying. He ran over and gave his new sponsor parent a big hug. And what a picture to me of what it could be like to be around the gospel of grace in Jesus given to you, literally laid out on a table and yet not ever fully receive and know and embrace that it is for you. You can have the bread in your mouth and miss it in your heart. You can be an apostle, but not a son. You can have proximity to Jesus, but no intimacy with Jesus. You can be in the same room, but miss the God. Don't let that be us. What in your life do you need to hand over to Jesus in order to receive what he wants to give you. That's point number one. We'll obey God with our lives the degree we believe he loves us in our hearts. The second thing that we see someone missing Jesus for is, it was the Jewish people, it was the Jewish leaders of the day. They handed over Jesus because of pride. Listen to this, it says this in John eighteen thirty is where it says first, they answered him, if this man weren't a criminal and talking to Pilate, we would, have, we would not have handed him over to you. John 18, 35. Now Pilate is speaking to Jesus. He says, I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and chief priests, watch this, handed you over to me, per didima. What have you done? 
And then Pilate in another text, whose job it was, was to discern the character of other people, had a great discernment. And so we can trust his judgment. He talks and gives us insight to the motive of the Jews. And he says this in Matthew 27, 18, for he knew it was because of envy that they, being the Jewish leaders, had handed him over. They handed him over because of envy. But what's envy? Envy is saying, I see what you have and I think what you have, I should have. How come they have it and I don't? And so behind envy is pride. It's saying, I need this. Why do you have this and I don't? I think I deserve it. Why do you have it? It's pride. So the Jewish leaders ultimately handed over Jesus because of their pride. And that's why all throughout the gospels, what you see happening is the Jewish leaders come up to Jesus again and again and again. And they ask this question, where are you getting your authority from? Where's your authority from? Because they understood Jesus clearly. And if what Jesus was saying was true, he was calling them out. And either they needed to bring their lives in alignment and underneath in submission to the authority of who Jesus was, or they had to question your authority and say, you aren't who you say you are, you're wrong. You see, when you understand the claims of Jesus clearly, there's really only two options. You rebel and say it's wrong, or you submit and say he's Lord. There's two options here on the table. It would be like, I heard someone give a similar illustration and I'll put it in our context, but it would be like if I said, man, Pastor Grant, I love Grant. Do y'all love Grant? Yeah, Grant's amazing. Like I love Grant, but Partrick, I can't stand Partrick. Partrick is the worst, man. He walks in the room, I just shudder. Partrick makes me sick. I can't, I can't be around Partrick. Maggie would lovingly uh, say back to me, Jonathan, you can't have Grant, but not Partrick. You only get Grant Partrick or you get none of them. It's Grant Partrick. You don't get to have one without the other. And let me just tell you, you can't have Jesus as your savior and not have him as your Lord. He is both savior and he is Lord. If Jesus has saved you, then his grace must change you. That's why it says, uh, Paul talks about it in Romans 10. He says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then and that he raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It is not a thing to say, I want my sins forgiven, but I don't want you to have jurisdiction over my life. If Jesus has saved me, then Jesus gets all of me. That's point number two. If Jesus' blood paid for all of me, then there is no part of me that he does not get authority over. If Christ's blood paid for all of us, then there's no part of us he doesn't get authority over. That includes my dating relationships, includes how I treat my kids, includes our marriages, includes me in business, includes how I speak to those I don't like, and includes who I forgive and who I speak to. It's all of me. Could you imagine if you bought a pizza and then only half of it showed up? You'd be like, we're getting our money back. Or, or could you imagine if you paid for two Taylor Swift tickets and you only got one? Like some of y'all would lose your witness over that, right? Like, like, okay. And it wouldn't it be so weird if Christ's blood is paid for all of us, but he only got some of us. If Jesus has paid for all of us, then there is no part of us. He does not get authority over. The Jews missed him because they saw this. And so they rebelled. We don't have to let that be true of us. The last person that this word makes clear that handed over Jesus was Pilate. And Pilate ultimately handed over Jesus because he was living for the approval of other people. 
And we all know what it's like to want to live for what other people think. We know what it's like to want to be liked by other people. I can, you ever, I mean, have you ever gotten a bad haircut? Like I have. I remember one time in particular, I was 12 years old. I will never forget this. I was in the middle of a haircut. School was starting up and it wasn't going good. About halfway through the haircut, lady started crying. I'm like, what you crying for? She just walked off. She didn't come back. She just started crying and left. I'm like, how do you think that makes me feel? I gotta go to school tomorrow. Like, what? Like, I'm like, oh, what, are, what are you gonna think? And I remember this other girl came up and said, so sorry, sweetie, she's having a rough day. I'm gonna fix your hair. I'm like, you better, like, what? I, I cannot believe this. This is crazy. What are my friends gonna think? I'm walking in school the next day. They're like, dude, what happened? I'm like, yeah, man, she started crying, walked off. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I hated the way that other people were thinking about me. And I, maybe you remember getting braces for the first time. You're like, here, you're insecure, you're in middle school, here's some braces, put some metal on your teeth. Like, I remember in that moment, having braces and people like smile, like, no thank you. We know what it's like to care what other people think and that's why I think we have a soft spot for Pilate, right? Because we know, like, we can relate to him a little bit. Like, he, he's like us, he knew what it was that God had asked him to do but he didn't do it because he cared what other people think. We see that in John 19, 15 through 16. It says this, they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. But Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king? And then listen to what they say. We have no king but Caesar. The chief priests answered. And then he handed him over, paradidomi, to be crucified. And a little bit of backstory on this is that Pilate and this moment was in hot water with Caesar. He had done a couple things that had, uh, he, he had been a little too heavy handed and Caesar wasn't happy. And so he really needed other people to like him for the sake of keeping his job. And, and not just that, but when Caesar, you lost a job to Caesar, it was, you're probably gonna lose your life too. So Pilate really cared what other people thought. And so when the Jews were, got the understanding that Pilate wasn't listening to what they were saying, they knew that they had to appeal to someone higher that ultimately Pilate really wanted the opinion of. And so Pilate, when he heard the Jews say, we have no king but Caesar, what he heard was, if you don't put this man down, you're more loyal to the kingship of Jesus than the kingship of Caesar. And when they touched the person that Pilate wanted the approval of, it was game over. And so many of us know what that's like. To know what it means to have God put something on your life and you're like, you know who it is that God wants you to share with. You know what it is that God wants you to do in that situation. You know how it is that God wants you to act in your company. You know what it is that God has asked you, maybe even to post, to speak, to not do, to step out of, and yet because we're afraid of what that person or those people might think of us, if we actually did, we don't. And I'm not saying you, I'm saying me. I'm a young preacher. That's like the most insecure thing you can be, constantly wondering what other people are thinking about what I'm saying. This is a daily struggle for me. And it's a daily struggle for all of us if we're being honest. What do you need to hand over in order to fully embrace what God wants to give you? Because if you're not careful, thinking through what other people think of you will keep you enslaved. And the only thing that can free you from this is knowing that God is pleased with you. 
The pleasure of the Father is what will free you from the need to please other people. That's why point number three is this. When you see that God sees you, it doesn't have to matter who else does. When you see that he sees you, it doesn't have to matter who else does. What I mean by that is on this stand, in this time, you have Pilate who has all the earthly power. Pilate has the position that you needed. Pilate is in the place that he needed to be over Jesus. Pilate in this moment had authority over Jesus. That's why Jesus even tells him, you would have no authority over me unless it was given to you. But Jesus is beaten, bloody, and bruised. And yet Jesus is the one on the stand. And watch this though, in this moment, Pilate is the one that's threatened, not Jesus. How is that true? The way that that's true is because Jesus was there under the pleasure of his father. Jesus knew he was where he needed to be and he was pleasing the only one he needed to please. Yet Pilate was in the power of all the people and yet he didn't have the pleasure of the one person he was aiming for. And even if he did, it would have fluctuated up and down and made him insecure because it would never have been enough. Ultimately, history tells us that Pilate died at the hands of Caesar because he didn't please him properly. And if you try to live your life in an attempt to please other people, it will lead you inevitably to hand over Jesus in favor of the things of this world. But what frees you from that is knowing the pleasure of the Father. But I wanna ask the question, if we see that Judas handed over Jesus, if we see that the Jews handed over Jesus, The first because of greed, the second because of pride, and this last person, Pilate, handed over Jesus because he wanted the approval of other people, then how do we not miss Jesus? How do we go through life and not hand him over in light of these little lesser loves that inevitably try and cling to us and we run after? We have these sinful hearts. How do we get free from that? Well, there's one other usage of this word in the Gospel of John. This is beautiful. Don't miss this. Listen to what this says in John 19. 30. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he's on the cross, he said, it is finished to tell us thy. And then bowing his head, he did what? He gave up his spirit. Paradidomai. So you have Jesus handing over Jesus? That's what Judas is supposed to do. That's what the Jewish leaders were supposed to do. That's what, that's what Pilate was supposed to do. Why is Jesus handing over himself? Isn't it that why he says in John 10, at the same time, he says, nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. But Jesus, in this moment, he's just saying, we need to ask this question, like why did Jesus hand his life over? Jesus handed his life over because he knew that we would be greedy. Jesus handed his life over because he knew we would have pride. Jesus handed his life over because he knew he would seek the approval of other people, but he still wanted to offer us the bread. He still wanted to offer us body broken for you. I know you don't get it, but I still wanna offer. Jesus says, I know you're in the room, but I still wanna offer. Jesus handed over his life, and in return, the invitation for us is you can hand over your life to the one who handed over his life for you. You can trust him. And isn't it beautiful that Jesus is the opposite of Judas? 
He didn't live for what this world could give him. In fact, he gave up his life so that he could save the world. Jesus was the opposite of the Jewish leaders. He didn't live for pride and try to make a name for himself. No, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather he made himself, humbled himself even to the point of death, death on a cross. Jesus was the opposite of Pilate. Jesus didn't try and live for, the, live for the approval of other people. In fact, Jesus wasn't trying to impress people. He came to save people. And so often Jesus is the opposite of you and is the opposite of me. On our best days, or in our worst days, he's the same. God is constant when we're not. He's good when we're bad. He's faithful when we're unfaithful. God is not like us in so many ways when we're good and when we're bad, when we're sin and when we don't. He still offers himself. God's pleasure towards you is not based on your obedience towards him. It was based on the obedience of his son. Jesus is not like us, but praise God, he became like us. He became like us. And that's what I believe it's 2 Corinthians that says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. See, he became like us, even though he's not like us so that he could get treated like we deserve to be treated, so that we could get treated like he deserves to be treated. He was cast out so we can be brought in. He was treated as though he were hated by God so we could know what it means to be loved by God. And that's what we are, it's on the table. Don't miss it in your mouth and not let it go to your heart. You can hand over your life to the one who handed over his life for you, hand it over. What do you need to hand over in order to embrace what God has handed to you? Is it greed? Greed of money, a want of things? Is it pride? I don't wanna to submit to what God says. I don't want him to have total control of my life. Is it living for the approval of other people? All of us have these things in different ways that we're drawn to in different times. Yet it's possible that some of us in this moment need to respond and not just hand something over, but you need to hand your life over because you liked Jesus as Lord from a distance, but you've not submitted to him as the Lord of your life. You wanted him as your savior to get your passport stamped and go to heaven, but you did not want him as your Lord. And today you're letting his love win you to a lifestyle of submission and surrender and seeing that he handed over his life for you and you wanna give your life to him. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.